Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and I am joined today by my guest, April Diaz. Now, April has been a visionary and a challenger her entire life. She never imagined launching a company like Azer & Co. And she would tell you it feels like she's been preparing for this her whole life to build a company of warriors and allies. For 17 years, she pastored in two of the most influential churches in the country. As a certified leadership and wellness coach, she believes we're created for more. She's coached hundreds of leaders one-on-one and in groups over the last seven years. April is all about developing leaders on the margins of culture and caring for their body, mind, and spirit. Curating and cultivating teams is one of her favorite things in life. Secretly, she's a mix of total girly girl and a tomboy, and she's still crazy about her high school sweetheart, Brian. You'll hear about him too. Together, they parent three fabulous kiddos, and they live in Orange County, California. Now, we see coming-of-age stories all the time in books and movies, so what would it look like for parents to create an intentional experience for students that shows them how they reflect the image of God? And April is here for it, so let's jump into my lively conversation with April Diaz. Hey, April, welcome to the show. We always start off with a random icebreaker question. So here's my question for you. If all your clothes had to be one color for the rest of your life, what color would you choose? Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) I'm an Enneagram eight with a strong seven wing. So like the fact that you want to like take away the adventure (laughs) and the, the opportunities makes me like break into a cold sweat. Um, I would probably say gray, actually. Gray. But I'm gray. I have okay. so much gray in my wardrobe because it, you can flex it with so much stuff and, you know, layer it. I live in Southern California. So, you know, I'm layering all the time in, cause it's real chilly in the mornings oftentimes, and then it gets hot and blah, blah, blah. So gray makes for a really nice layering color. That's Perfect. I, I like it. I would probably be super boring and just go black cause black never goes out of style, but yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I can definitely appreciate the neutrals. Stick with the neutrals. All right. So April, tell us a bit about who you are. I want to hear about like work, family, what you do for fun, all that good stuff. Okay, great. So uh, I live in Southern California. Like I mentioned, I live in Orange County with my hubby. Uh, he's my high school sweetheart. We've been together Aww. for ever, a really yeah. long time since we were 17, <laughs> minus a couple of rough years uh, before we got married. And we've got three kiddos. They are eight, 10, and 12. So life is bonkers. They're mm-hmm. all at home right now. Like actually my husband just crawled across our bed. I'm in my bedroom sitting on the floor and he just crawled across <laughs> the bed to grab something. Cause that's our life right now. Like everybody's on screens, everybody's trying to do distance learning and work from home and zoom calls. And it's a thing, right? It's a total thing. Yeah. So, uh, that's our fam. Our oldest two kiddos we adopted from Ethiopia and then our youngest is biological. So we actually went from zero to three kids in 15 months. That's um, quick. Yeah, it was real fast. It was real fast. So for the last 10 years, it's just been kind of a circus in our house. Um, but like vocationally, work-wise for me, um, I went into full-time minister when I was 18 years old and worked at a couple of churches uh, over the span of 17 years, predominantly in youth ministry. But um, the last several years at the second church that I worked at, I had a variety of different roles and ended up as the executive pastor. So okay. yeah, did that for 17 years. And the last six years, I've been kind of independent, um, have contracted with a couple of organizations for the majority of my work for coaching and speaking and, and writing. 
Um, but a year and a half ago, I launched a company that we're kind of talking a little bit about today. Yeah. And we're all about helping women become warriors and lead in every space that they set their feet. So um, I've always been passionate about leadership. I've always loved speaking and communicating, uh, building teams, and always with the, the marginalized, with the ones who aren't like in front and center, like so whether that's students or women or, you know, kind of justice related issues, I've always been about the outsider and the misfit and those mm -hmm. who don't naturally have a seat at the table. So um, it just has looked different in different seasons. So yeah, for fun. Oh gosh, sorry. I didn't, um, that's okay. <laughs> water and sun are like mm. my thing. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the reasons we live in Southern California because we get sun 300 and 64 days a year. Um, <laughs> the one day so, rains. Yeah, the, yeah. The other day, everyone freaks out because they don't know how to drive in the rain. Um, <laughs> so anything that like relates to that, the beach, the pool, um, being outside. I love walking and reading and watching stupid TV and um, yeah, baking Great. has kind of become a new thing for me or cooking oh, rather. Yeah. So yeah, super. Yeah, that's awesome. I can totally relate with the sun and the water. We actually got to take a little trip down to Galveston, the beach here. I put it in air quotes because Galveston <laughs> Beach is not super nice. I was born in Southern California, so it's okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to compare. Anyways, so, but I do remember this feeling as soon as we crossed over the causeway of my blood pressure, like coming down on the way down. It was crazy yeah. how that happens, but yeah. That's scientific, man. It is, it's a legit thing that happens with your body when you get to yes. around water. So April, one of the reasons that I wanted you on the show is because you and I have something in common and that's this passion for creating moments in the lives of students for the adults in their lives parents, uh, leaders to yeah. speak intentional words and have an intentional experience for them. Some people call that a milestone or a rite of passage. And you saw a need for this in both families individually and also for churches. And so Azer and Co has created this tool to help facilitate that rite of passage for young women and men. So can you take us back to the beginning and tell us how becoming an Azar and becoming a Connecto, like where did that come from? How was it born? Yeah. It started when I was on staff at the church that I was on staff with for 10 years and about four or five years into that experience, I just literally stumbled upon an article from Ginny Olson, who's kind of like a godmother of youth ministry. She's a dear friend. She's an amazing woman. And she wrote this article about rites of passages and how in American culture, we really don't have them. In Jewish culture, we have those kinds of rite of passage milestone experiences and other kind of cultures. But really for us, like those milestones look more like getting a license or, you know, being able to vote, but there isn't something that is communal and faith oriented within families. And so I just started imagining what would it look like for us in our church um, with our eighth graders and our seniors to be able to gather family and the, the broader village community to create a moment at these just normal transitions that are happening. So for our kids, you know, graduating from eighth grade, graduating from high school, there's oftentimes celebrations, but they're not intentional faith kind of deepening milestone experiences. And so mm -hmm. we created them around what a traditional Jewish rite of passage experience looks like. We started doing them and we never stopped. In fact, like I've been off staff at this church for six years um, and they continue to do the rite of passage that we created for our eighth graders and our seniors all these years later. Um, because it was one of the things that families really looked forward to as their like kids were in elementary school and like going into 
middle school and high school, they knew that these rite of passage experiences were coming for them. They planned their schedules around them, which is a big thing in Southern California. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how it all got started. And it just hasn't stopped because it's so meaningful um, for, for parents, for those kiddos, not kiddos, teenagers. Um, yeah, really. <laughs> and then for the church as a whole. And it's a really easy thing to do once you've established a sort of rhythm around it. But it's not only for churches individual families can also walk through it just by yeah. themselves. Okay, that's super cool. And I think it's interesting because we have had a rite of passage in our family, just kind of self-created, mm-hmm. uh, but we chose similar times. We added in the eight years, eight years old, but then 13. So that's roughly eighth grade. You're turning 14 sometime during eighth yep. grade. And then um, when you graduate. So yeah, it's interesting because those are, other than the obvious, like transitioning from school, were there other reasons that you picked those times? Yeah, I mean, I think for for our church context, like eighth grade was a big deal because we drew from a lot of different middle schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And so oftentimes, like they were in these small groups within our middle school ministry, they'd be going into different high schools. And so they kind of had this collective experience, but then they're going back out and going to have to refine their zone with their friends. So it just felt like a good way for us to celebrate and mark the moment of what was happening Mm -hmm. as they were graduating from eighth grade. And then certainly for graduating from high school, most of our students went on to a college or university experience, but it was a, and it, most of them actually left the state or left the area. And so again, kind of like that, that send off and that ability to, to mark what has happened to bring some closure and celebration and honor to it, and then to launch them out in a way that was a little bit more formalized and a little bit more strategic. Just felt like those are, those are going to be things that our families were already going to orient themselves around so yeah. we could link in with that and kind of join in the stream instead of trying to create something different that was going to be really hard. And certainly like, you know, for a family, an individual family, it's, it's great to be able to do it around a 13th birthday. Um, yeah. But like in a church context, everybody's turning 13 at different times. At different times. You could <laughs> so never that, schedule that. <laughs> right. So to do yeah. something kind of collective around a, an event that was already going to happen for everyone. Um, yeah. made, made some sense. Makes perfect sense. Okay. So, uh, maybe you can walk us through a few of the ingredients, but then also what you hope the teens will gain from that experience. Yeah. So we, we designed this around, like I said, the Jewish rite of passage experience. So separation, like what is it that you're leaving behind? What is it that you have experienced up until now in girlhood or in boyhood that is going to be a shift. You know, there's going to be a break. There's going to be a breakthrough into a new level of, of growing and of, of who it is that you're becoming. And so wanted to just acknowledge that like there'd be a separation from who you used to be into who you are becoming and creating that delineation really helps in a number of ways. But one of the ways that it helps is in even like how you're mentally processing these changes which can lower your anxiety, which can bring a sense of closure and of um, completion. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a really dynamic effect in what is happening spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. We tend to just think about those two bookends of like the physical change or the spiritual change. But those yeah. other two in the middle are pretty significant for there to be a more holistic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. separation is, is the beginning of it. There's a couple of one's in the middle of the transition. What is it that you're in the messy middle of? And then incorporation, which is what you're being invited into, welcomed into. So for girls, it's, you're becoming a woman. For guys, you're becoming a man. And that's a transition, but like needs to be incorporated, needs to be welcomed, needs to be acknowledged that this is happening. 
Uh, and then that last stage is really all about blessing. How is it that you can speak words of life and affirmation and belief into who that young man or woman is becoming and not in the things that they're doing externally, but the work that you're seeing that's being done within them and the person that they've been created to be. And that blessing component is really missed a lot of times too, because for our broader culture and even within our families, we're real quick to tell our kids what they're not doing right, what the, how they need to be growing, what they need to fix, how they need to be you know, more responsible or whatever, yeah. right? There's, we speak more to the gap. But for us to be really intentional about who is it that we actually see you to be and bless that allows for there to be more of that to come into fruition. So that's like the, it, it's a really simple process, but we have tried to think really holistically around all of those dimensions um, that happens within that transition. Mm -hmm. And also how to think through like the individual and the communal experience, um, because we're really good as a culture about being individualistic and having mm -hmm. our own perspective and experience, but really we're part of something bigger and better and we belong together and we take care of each other. And that needs to be experienced in those rite of passages as well. That's really, really beautiful. I love that. I was so curious to dig deeper into that. So I want to kind of change gears a little bit because we were talking about this collective experience and, yeah. you know, a lot of the listeners, their kids are involved in some sort of student ministry at a church. And one thing that I know about you is you are a leader among leaders of students in the church. Your experience has convinced you that the church has a really unique opportunity with students during those middle school and high school phases. So can you give us like a 10,000 foot view of how you think churches could better engage the next generation? So obviously, like we've been talking about this rite of passage experience, but then like maybe more in a practical day by day, week to week thing, what, what can you imagine happening there across the board? One of the questions that I think would behoove a lot of churches um, and families to ask is where can we be connected in any way, shape or form? So where might there be some overlap, some commonality, some similarities in what the overall church is doing or what the adults are doing and then what is happening within a teenage world uh, or what is happening within the life of, of a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the thing that we were asking ourselves in the church that I was on staff with was like, wherever possible, let's bring connection. Let's bring their alignment with each other. So, so where is that happening? Um, so that we're not constantly creating all of these one-off events and programs and experiences and retreats, but whenever and wherever we're going to integrate and include teenagers into the life of the whole church and ask our parents, ask our adults to make some necessary sacrifices so that like Second Timothy 2 talks about, we can pass our faith off into the hands of another yeah. um, because it was never intended to to be only mine, you know, it was always intended for us to pass that off into the hands of those who come after us. And so that has to happen by some shared experiences, by some like relational rubbing of shoulders, by some time spent with each other, you know, yeah. Th those are the ways that it's going to, that handing off is going to happen. So I think that that would be a really helpful next step because there are beautiful ways that integration and connection and relationship is already happening or it's like low hanging fruit in that community. So mm -hmm. start there because there are going to be some sacrifices. There are going to be some hard conversations. There are going to be some things that you're 
not going to like as much as you did when you had your full on separateness because you were doing exactly what was tailored to those two groups. Right. Um, but those sacrifices and that hard gets a lot easier when there's relationship and when there is care and love and empathy and connection. Yeah. Can you maybe give us a practical example of like, how would that look like in the life of one student? The, the first thing that comes to mind is we looked intentionally around the retreats that we did. We were doing already like all church retreats, but a lot of times in those all church retreats, we were still segmenting out students. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we were doing like student programming for our teenagers and adults would go into one room and the teenagers would go into another room and we would have totally separate programming. Mm -hmm. And so like it just became a thing where we're like, well, how about if we figure out how we do it all together? Like yeah. meals and the programming, the sessions, like what would it look like for us to be more intentional to think about all, all of us, everybody. And then kind of along those same lines, like we were looking really intentionally around like, how do we, how do we create, like pay attention to the things that kids are naturally good at. So there was a lot of kids in our church that were really great at like tech and AV and worship stuff. Like mm -hmm. they could play an instrument, like no adult could, you know? Yeah. And so like they started getting involved, not in creating like a student worship team and a student AV team, but like to participate in the whole church in that way. And then they were building relationship and they were being able to ask questions about faith and they were seeing what it would look like for, you know, another dad to parent their child differently than how their dad was parenting them. And they were able to just broaden that faith village and contribute really meaningfully to the church and to the things that were already happening. And so those were just like, we really wanted to pay attention to like, what are the sparks? What are the skills that our teenagers have that could be invested into a place that wasn't exclusively for them, but could be valuable and beneficial for all of us? Does that make sense? Did that oh, answer question? Yeah, totally. And I think I can see how the handoff of that when they graduate from high school, they can see how they plug into the church at large, maybe in a greater way than they would otherwise. Yeah. And then that transition is way easier. It doesn't take like a five point strategic plan to make that happen because you're already doing it along the way, which I think, yeah. you know, looking at Deuteronomy, like that's a lot of what Deuteronomy talks about. And that prayer of blessing and that invitation is like, as you are going, these relationships are happening and this integration, this inclusion, this incorporation is taking place. And so therefore the passing off of faith is just this really natural thing that would happen without it having to be so programmatically driven or so strategically driven in that way. That is a really good thought. I think for the parents who are listening, how can they, I'm, I'm thinking of how they can implement this. You know, you could look at your student and go, what are they good at? And then think of that plugging into a different area of the church as a discipleship move. Like how can I connect them with an adult who can speak into their lives around a similar interest? Yeah. So yeah, that would be a really good takeaway for them. All right, April. So how can our listeners find your books? How can they connect with you online and see the work that you do? Uh, best place to go is azerandco.com. E-Z-E-R-A-N-D-C-O.com. Um, that's our company's website. You can, and Instagram, Facebook, both by the same handles. For me personally, April L. Diaz, two L's, because April Diaz was stolen on all of the <laughs> Twitters. Hate that girl. A real problem. <laughs> She's just the worst. Um, so April L. Diaz is where I'm at on Instagram and uh, I'm a bad tweeter, but um, yeah, <laughs> Instagram is really more the jam. 
Perfect. And I think something that we've, we kind of glossed over it and maybe we need to go back there is we've thrown around the word Azar in this conversation. And it just occurred to me that maybe the listeners are not sure of what that means. So could you give us a really quick overview of what does that word mean? Yeah. So I have it tattooed on my arm. Um, It's been there for a lot of years before we even started this, but Azar is a use that's a Hebrew word that's used 21 times in the old Testament. Twice it's used to describe woman in Genesis 2 when God is creating woman. And this word azer is often translated in Genesis as helper or helpmate or helpmeet. But 16 out of those 21 times, the word azer is used in the Old Testament to describe God. Mm. So while we have used this word from Genesis to really put women like in a secondary subservient, lesser than place to man, that is a uh, bad hermeneutics. That's bad theology because there's no way that God is second to less than subordinate to us. Um, but yeah. that is how God describes the nature of what he is to us. God is our help. It's also translated as warrior, as rescuer, as strong helper, as mm-hmm. a face-to-face deliverer. And so part of my mission is to reclaim that word for women because we are, we're, we're not the secondary, we are in partnership. Love that. And as a mom, working that out in myself and trying to instill it in my daughter, like that's such an important distinction. The word warrior, to me, that's inspiring. And it makes me want to go after the things that that God has for me to do. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for that work. Yeah. Okay. So because the show is Lively Conversations, you get three blanks. For me today, blank is life, blank is life, and blank is life. What's a life for you today, April? Oh my gosh. Uh, So coffee is life. Always. Yes, sister. I just happened to grab this warrior Wonder Woman mug. So coffee is life. The sun is life. I was just outside right before this conversation and um, movement is mm. life. It helps me so much in this season to get out of my head yeah. and a lot of stress to get out of my body um, and for me to ground myself in this physical body that God has given me. So good. Yeah. I was kind of in a funk yesterday afternoon and my husband's like, let's go for a bike ride. And by the time we were coming back home, I heard myself in my head singing hymns and it was just from getting out and from moving. So I love that. I love that answer. That's a great answer. Okay, friends, I love how April points us to being intentional with our kids as they transition from one space to the next. I especially resonated with her thoughts about speaking into who our kids are becoming. I think it's good for us to remember that our students are wondering things like, who am I? Do I belong? What's my purpose? And for us as their family, we can help them to answer those questions, perhaps in partnership with your local church. So I hope that you step away from this conversation with a spark to leverage those transitional moments with your student and a vision to help them find ways that they can engage with the church at large in a meaningful way. So all of those links um, to the resources that April and Azer and co offer are available on the show notes. So be sure to click through to that at table112.org. Now the rite of passage experiences, they have both an individual family option and a church-wide option. So be sure to check those out. We've got one more parents-only episode, and then we're going to return to our regular parent and teen format. I'm sure you're dying to do that. This has been a great run, and I'm so glad that we've had this chance to step away, give our kids a chance to start out school, start out strong, and then come back together once things are a little more 
quote unquote normal. So if you or someone you know has a story that needs to be told, we would love to hear from you. So visit table112.org slash guests and send us the deets. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week at the table. Peace and love. Cheering you on, warrior. 